Welcome back to Hopefield Conversations. I'm Jody, And I'm Carolyn. And we are delighted to say that we are just two chapters away from completing Hebrews, wow. the book Hebrews. And it's just been, it's been fun. It has. It's been challenging. Yes. And it's been like, huh. <laughs> <laughs> all three. Yes. Yeah, all three. Um, but as we uh, dive into chapter 12, we just want to invite you to open up the word with us. Or if you're listening to this as you're traveling or doing something else, maybe take some mental notes. And we just want to encourage you to take what um, we're sharing with you and define time for yourself to go back and read through the scriptures for yourself and, and to see if there's any um, uh, areas in the particular passages that uh, that has brought clarity or more questions. Mm-hmm. And of course, we always invite you if we've caused more questions to reach out to us through uh, our email. So yeah. we would be delighted to hear from you mm-hmm. and um, to see how we, we can come alongside of you guys. So uh, we're very thankful for your faithfulness to yeah. this point, because if you're still with us, <laughs> man, you're one of the five, and we really appreciate you so much. <laughs> yes. I know, right? So uh, how about we go ahead and get started? Carolyn, yeah. do you want to go ahead, and we're going to sure do uh, passages one or verses 1 through 3 in chapter 12. Yeah. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that's set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted there's yeah there's a uh, lot in there, there. <laughs> there's a lot in there and just just remember before chapter 12 there's chapter 11 yeah <laughs> in our previous episode yeah. uh we we broke chapter 11 i think in two episodes yeah. because it was uh, the hall of faith if you will but um i, I loved something that my bible study notes in, in my bible actually gave on who is involved in the great cloud of witnesses i want to read that mm-hmm. um it reads the imagery suggests an athletic contest and a great a- amphitheater The witnesses are the heroes of the past who have just been mentioned in chapter 11. They are not spectators, but inspiring examples. And the Greek word translated witnesses is the origin of the English word martyr and means testifiers or witnesses. And they bear testimony to the power of faith to and to God's faithfulness. So mm-hmm. just right out of the chute, you mm-hmm. know, the great cloud of witnesses is uh, so yeah. profane. I remember it, it brought back a memory of um, when Chris, my husband, became a pastor uh, and we were kind of going through uh, Hebrews and stuff and I came across a painting and it was a pastor at a pulpit and it was like uh, images of the great cloud of witnesses yeah. mm-hmm. around him and it just, it, it was Every time I saw it in his office, it would remind me to pray uh, for him um, mm-hmm. as I know those great witnesses went through trials mm-hmm. and troubles and, and struggles in their lives. But their faith in right. Christ and the, um, and the accuracy of the word and walking in that and living in that and staying faithful to that saw them through mm-hmm. so it was always just a great minder so mm-hmm. when i see that that phrase a great cloud of witnesses it it uh, it just triggers so much more for yeah. me personally yeah. in my walk already so that kind of jumped out to me yeah i think that's why they're mentioned there you know mm-hmm. to encourage us to endure the race but um my commentary also encouraged us to remember that they are you know they're examples mm-hmm. but 
the person that we should ultimately look to is God, you know? Right, reminder. And so yeah. it's easy to look at these heroes mm-hmm. of the faith and say, oh, wow, like, <laughs> but what an amazing person this, you know, right. Abraham is or Moses. Mm-hmm. What an amazing people. But really, we should look to the Lord um, as we press on in the faith. And so, mm-hmm. you know, it talks about laying aside every weight. And so when we look to Jesus, that's how we can lay aside all those weights that, you know, mm-hmm. weight of sin, weight of anxiousness, weight of anything. Right. Um, and if we don't lay aside those things, we can't endure. So, you know, he's talking about a race, really, here right. and right. the imagery of like, imagine if you had a backpack that weighed 50 pounds, you know, mm-hmm. you're not going to endure the race. Right. <laughs> so we've got to lay aside those things. And um, how we do that is by looking to Jesus. And so um, I love that imagery. I love the cloud of witness imagery, too. Uh-huh. It's just yeah. so pretty, but yeah, so, it, so it beautiful. Is, and it's inspiring. And, yeah. You know, it, it's not very specific on, um, you know, what is the sin that so e- easily entangles us, but it's probably referring to the sin of unbelief. And, and uh, you know, sometimes I have looked at this scripture also about, just wherever I am in my walk and, and if I'm going through a struggle and I feel like my, you know, it's, it's I get the sense that my prayers are just kind of hitting the ceiling. It's like, what what sin have I been entangled with, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's a good it's a good passage also just to kind of break down and personalize and, and go, what is, in, what is um, hindering me from running the race, from yeah. enduring in those areas as well? So yeah, I think that's important because mm-hmm. sin, it's just a sin which clings to us so closely. It's just a reminder that right. even though we are saved, we are still going to struggle with sin. And so we have to be alert and aware of that and really actively lay that aside, lay it at Jesus' feet, deal with that sin, and then mm-hmm. move on. Um, and that's how we ultimately press on in the faith and endure to the end. Yeah, so. and there there was, I think it was uh, verse uh, 3, mm-hmm. for consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself mm-hmm. so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the author at this point wants the readers, and, and, and we can say to us as well, to compare all that um he has done and shared with them at this point because mm-hmm. you know you just take the whole book of hebrews right. all the way up to this point what he has shared with them um and what jesus has done he's pointing back to jesus like kind of what you were saying just a second ago mm-hmm. and because of his endurance as an example they too will be able to endure and jesus is the solution to their problem of doubting and jesus is a solution to our problem and doubting and where we feel like um, sometimes that our faith is waning mm-hmm. and, and we're growing weary and we become susceptible and vulnerable to falling back to old ways, if you will, or false doctrine. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought that was just significant and just um, don't know for sure who the author is. You know, many people speculate. Yeah. But at the same time, not knowing, I feel like I'm getting to know the author. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And thinking about the crowd of who he was writing to, Mm -hmm. the Hebrew people, you know, they were enduring a lot of physical persecution for the sake of Christ. Mm -hmm. And so um, verse 3 would have been really poignant to them because it points out that Jesus, Jesus endured physical persecution and harm. And I love that because the Lord is so kind to meet us right where we are. Mm -hmm. And the Lord knew that these people, what they were going through, and he wanted to remind them that Jesus is right along there with you. He's done that too. Mm -hmm. Um, He's been there too. And he is that great high priest that can sympathize with us because he lived as a man Mm -hmm. and suffered. Um, And so I thought that was a really neat tie in in verse three. Yeah. Well, and and it's, 
exactly the statement you said is a great segue for the next passage, mm-hmm. just talking about discipline here yeah. a little bit. I'll read. Um, yeah, 4 through 11. Yeah, 4 through 11. i got to put my finger there or I'll just keep reading. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding blood in your striving against sin, and you have forgotten the exhortation which is addressed to you as sons. And it reads, My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor faint when you are reproved by him. For those whom the Lord loves, he disciplines, and he scourges every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you endure. God deals with with you as with sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? Mm-hmm. But if you are without discipline, of which all have become partakers, then you are Ill- illegitimate children and not sons. Furthermore, we had earthly fathers to discipline us, and we respected them. Shall we not much rather be subject to the Father of spirits and live? For the disciplined, for they disciplined us for a short time as seemed best to them, but he disciplines us for our good so that we may share his holiness. All discipline for the moment seems not to be joyful but sorrowful. Yet to those who have been trained by it, Afterwards, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. Mm. So starting in verse 4 right away, that word not yet or those words not yet, mm-hmm. it really talks about that we um, we may face persecution. Um, it's a reminder that it, it says we have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood, but it, it may be that we have mm-hmm. to do that um, for the sake of Christ. And then in verse 5, it talks about that discipline. I love this whole passage because it's so it's so interesting to think about the discipline of the Lord. But two things kind of stood out to me is that the warnings that we should not take the Lord's discipline lightly, mm-hmm. we shouldn't brush it off, and we shouldn't grow weary when we are disciplined. And, you know, it goes on to say that discipline shows that you are God's child and that he loves you. Um, I was thinking of an example, like I'm going to discipline my own children. I'm not going to discipline somebody else's children. That would be weird. (laughs) That would be uncomfortable. And so if you are um, facing the discipline of the Lord, you can, even though it's unpleasant, discipline Mm -hmm. is not, Mm -hmm. (laughs) it doesn't mean it's going to be wonderful, but um, even if it is unpleasant, it shows that you are God's child and he's working on you. He's refining you. And um, it has a purpose. And I think that's really important when we are going through a discipline time. Um, I think of like exercising. If you're doing a really hard workout, it is not pleasant in, right. in while you're doing it. But at the end, you're going to reap the war- rewards for that. And I think that's the same with the Lord's discipline. It has a purpose. Yeah, absolutely. I was trying to. Yeah, I think it's in verse 10. Um there's something in verse 10 that jumped out and something I want to mention in verse 11 as well. But it was talking about so that we may share in his holiness. And mm-hmm. I just kind of started circling around that just a little bit. And um, essentially is that we may share in God's attributes, his character. Yeah. And that's that's part of, I believe, the purpose of some of the discipline is to become more like Christ in, in, in our way and stuff. Mm-hmm. And then in verse 11, where it's all discipline for the moment seems not to be joyful. I mean, yeah. really, right? <laughs> but sorrowful. Yes, amen. Yet to those who have been trained by it. Mm-hmm. Afterwards, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. So we're in the, we're in the middle of, of it. It's very trying at times. And mm-hmm. I even applied this many times back in my 40s when 
I went to college for the first time, mm-hmm. and um, it took me quite a long time to get through it. But anyway, yeah. it felt very painful. Yeah, uh, even that kind of discipline. Yeah. Um, and the reason why I even liken this too is because I didn't necessarily choose to go back to college mm-hmm. at forty years old. <laughs> it was an obedience to God's leading and direction of what mm-hmm. He wanted to do in my life, and I almost felt like I was being disciplined. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> through a lot of those different yeah. things, so. I would hang on to um, that God is using it for a purpose. He's training me to to um, sharpen me in a lot of different ways. Mm-hmm. And at the end, it would yield a peaceful fruit uh, of righteousness. Um, as I was reading through that, too, I came across something I want to share uh, from Warren Wiersbe, the Bible Exposition Commentary. He wrote, the key word in this section is chastening. Uh, It is a Greek word that means child training, instruction, discipline. A Greek boy was expected to work out in the gymnasium until he reached his maturity. It was a part of his preparation for adult life. Now, the writer viewed the trials of the Christian life as spiritual discipline that could help a believer mature. Instead of trying to escape the difficulties of life, we should rather be exercised by them so that we might grow. Mm -hmm. And I believe that's kind of applying to what I was talking about as an example that I really did my faith in God because I (laughs) relied on God to get those grades and to get through that. and. And to just realize um, my dependence on him in this area of my life, where in other areas I was I was pretty good at depending on mm-hmm. him. And then there was these other areas not so good at. Yeah. And he used those opportunities um, to grow my maturity in mm-hmm. him and, and, and all that. Yeah. So. I think of Romans 8.28 when it talks about mm-hmm. God working all things for good. That good may be him using situations to, like, discipline us and to sharpen us mm-hmm. and to mold us and mature us into who he wants us to be. Now, that situation may not feel very good at the time, Mm -mm. but God can use it for our good. And I have this quote from um, the Christ-centered exposition, Exalting Jesus in Hebrews Mm -hmm. commentary, Um, and I wanted to read it because it just really stuck out to me. It says, people tend to think that things happen to them by chance. The The truth is that things come into our lives by the sovereign intentions and purposes of the Lord. Not all things are good, but all things are for the good and edification of those who love God. Sometimes Christians have to keep faith when things do not seem to be for our good. Mm-hmm. And it's just that it's reminder that God is in control. And even when things don't look good, Romans eight twenty eight tells us that God is working them for our good. Mm-hmm. And so um, that's when faith comes in, that we trust the character of God and we trust who He is. And so, um, yeah, all yeah. discipline may not feel good, but it's for a purpose. Yeah, <laughs> I'm thinking about it right now. It's, it's like, good to think about yeah, it if you're it, if you're it, in it a is, season of is. discipline. Yeah, so yeah, exactly. Yeah. So. All right, you want me to read twelve and thirteen? I do. All right, it says therefore lift your drooping heads and strengthen your weak knees and make straight paths for your feet, so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. Strive for peace. Oh. Sorry, I'm going to go on. So but I was going on. <laughs> yes, that's a good one. We'll, uh-huh. we'll talk about that in a yeah. minute. But um, I love how he starts off with the drooping ha- hands and right. weak knees. Those are kind of universal symbols. We kind of know what those mean, kind of fear and disheartenment. And so, mm-hmm. um, you know, he encourages us that our reason to keep going is the joy that's set before us. Um, and so, you know, Verse 13 talks about the straight paths, you know, walking in righteousness. Mm -hmm. Um, And 
I love this quote from the Christ-centered exposition. It's not a quote, but an idea that said, um, you know, we're actively doing things so that sin's opportunities to ensnare us are significantly reduced. That's oh talking gosh, about, that I love so that. Good. I loved that quote. Yeah. Because we think of walking in righteousness as being perfect. Yeah. I do sometimes mm-hmm. when I read that. Mm-hmm. And that is not at all the case. We, we can't be perfect, but we can be actively doing things so that sin does not have an opportunity to ensnare us. Um, and I think I think that's so important for believers. We have to go above and beyond to mm-hmm. safeguard us and our family from sin that can ensnare us so easily. So I mean, yeah, absolutely. I, I liked that reminder of keeping those straight paths. Yeah, and also um, in verse uh, thirteen, it's, I think it's um, using a it contains anyway a quotation from Proverbs mm-hmm. four twenty six. Uh, I thought it was interesting. And, uh, that verse actually reads, watch the path of your feet and all your ways will be established. Yeah. I mean, is that not succinct yeah. exactly what uh, you were just reading there? That's right. Yeah. All right. Well, so we're moving on 14, to 14 through yeah. 17. Yes. Okay. I'm putting my finger there. <laughs> <laughs> all right. 14. Pursue peace with all men and the sanctification without which no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one comes short of the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springing up causes trouble, and by it many be defiled, that there be no immoral or godless person like Esau who sold his own birthright for a single meal. For you know that even afterwards, when he desired to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, um, for he found no place for repentance." though he sought for it with tears. Hmm. It talks a lot about community, and it's kind of transitioning now, as we'll see in 12 and 13, Mm -hmm. just kind of uh, the community of believers. But um, verse 14 talks about striving for peace with everyone. It does not say achieve peace with everyone. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's so interesting. We are not responsible (laughs) for other people's reactions to things. We can't make them. We can't. But we can strive for peace, and that's mm-hmm. that's what we should be as Christians. That's how we should be known as followers of Jesus, as a person who is striving for peace. That doesn't mean backing down from standing firm on the Word of God. That's where right. that's where we draw the line. We stand firm on the Word of God, but we should strive to be at peace with our brothers and sisters in Christ and with mm-hmm. other people as well. Um, but again, we can't achieve peace because we're we're in charge of ourselves. We have to do yeah. everything we can. That verse yeah. has really kept help keep me in line on mm-hmm. many occasions when you just want to stand your ground and, and you want to be right for right's sake. It's right. like you really, you know, <laughs> but at the end of the day, it's like it, God has used it to help me re- evaluate the importance of that versus um, making sure I'm not a stumbling block, I'm not a hindrance right. to them. Right. And it's like, I'm responsible for me and my actions. Mm-hmm. So yep. that that verse actually has come to me many times. Yeah. yeah that's yeah. really good. I love on, on verse 15, it talks about watching over one another mm-hmm. kind of so that everyone is growing in the Lord together. Right. Um, you just see that community of how how we are just supposed to relate to each other as brothers and sisters in Christ. You know, see to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God mm-hmm. and no root of bitterness. You know, it talks about... Um, bitterness specifically because that's a sign of trouble that's an early sign of trouble Mm -hmm. if you start letting bitterness into your life but um i love that idea of community coming alongside of each other make sure everybody is growing in the grace and knowledge of jesus christ and that's what the community of the church is meant one of the things um something that really stuck out i just want to take a moment to mention it's that root of bitterness um I found in Deuteronomy 
29 verse 18, a root bearing poisonous and bitter fruit mm-hmm. is a root of bitterness. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's um, referring to Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy. <laughs> Dude. Deuteronomy. <laughs> What's insightful here? Um, I want to read from the New Living Translation, uh, chapter 29, 18 through 19. Uh, I'm making this covenant with you so that no one among you, no man, woman, clan, or tribe, will turn away from the Lord our God to worship these gods of other nations, and so that no root among you bears bitter and poisonous fruit. Those who hear the warnings of this curse should not con- um, congratulate themselves, thinking, I'm safe, even though I am following the desires of my own stubborn heart. This would lead to utter ruin. And then the author uses Esau as an example of what that looks like in verses 16 uh, through 17, where Esau had no appreciation for true values nor for his birthright. And because he was only remorseful and felt bad, mm-hmm. uh, there was no repentance, and um, and it produced death, and yeah. that poison basically killed killed him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's important to remember that we don't um, go out saying, I'm going to become bitter today. Right. It's one of those things that mm-hmm. sneaks in, you know, just so easily and so quickly. And so we really have to be alert to it, and then at the very first sign of bitterness, cut it off mm-hmm. right at the root before it can spread in our own self, but also to our brothers and sisters in Christ. Bitterness is one of those things that we can share with other people who are around us. It's like a germ. It is. It's contagious. Yeah. Yeah. Because we, our mouths, we -hmm. we go off and share our bitterness and then they start saying, oh, I I feel that way too. You know, and it's just so um, destructive. And so Mm -hmm. just be aware and at the very first sign of bitterness, deal with it right away so it doesn't spread. And one of the ways that you can discover that sign is be diligent daily to Mm -hmm. ask the Lord to seek you and to search yes. your heart and reveal to you if there's any thing yeah. in you. Yeah. Um, and yeah, because sometimes you can't even see that in your own. I have not been yeah. able to. Yes. I'm like, oh my gosh, yes. why didn't I, you know, we become blind to our sin. Mm-hmm. That's the enemy's tactic. Yep. You know? And I think God's been faithful to me to reveal it when I'm in His Word, when I'm mm-hmm. reading the scripture. Truth. Truth. You know, He mm-hmm. always, we've talked time and time again how He, you know, pierces our heart with His Word and meets us right where we are in any situation. So, yeah. Be faithful in reading his word and going to him in prayer and asking him to reveal himself. Yep. All right. 18 through 21. Mm -hmm. I'll put my finger so I don't go over (laughs) it this time. (laughs) It says, For you have not come to what may be touched, a blazing fire and darkness and gloom and a tempest and the sound of a trumpet and a voice whose words made the hearers beg that no further messages be spoken to them. For they could not endure the order that was given. If even the beast touches the mountain, it shall be stoned. Indeed, so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I tremble with fear. So this kind of takes a turn. It does. <laughs> it's kind of like, okay, what's yeah. going on? Um, I think it's talking, well, I know it's talking about Mount Sinai. And mm-hmm. so it's really pointing our attention back to um, where the law was given to Moses. Um, I'm going to read just this little mm-hmm. sentence from um the Christ-centered exposition commentary. It says, The Lord commanded Moses to warn the people of Israel not to go up to the mountain or touch it lest they die. And that's in Exodus um, 19.12. And, you know, Mount Sinai was the mountain that Moses climbed to receive God's word. And so it's really comparing and contrasting, again, that first covenant with the people, the old law, Mm -hmm. um, and the fear that kind of went with that law. 
and then reminding us of Christ's work, that we no longer have to um, be in fear of the Lord. We ha- we have in you know access through Christ. Mm-hmm. We 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 should fear Him appropriately, but mm-hmm. we have access to Him through Christ. And um, you know Jesus fulfilled that law, and so through grace we are adopted as one of His children, mm-hmm. and we don't have to go with this fear <laughs> of the first um, old law as much. And now we have access yeah. to God through Christ. Yeah, hey, I think he's doing a great job at even for us that are reading it today to, yeah. to not turn back to our old ways and Absolutely. to remember what God has brought us through and what he's done for us. So, yeah. Yep. Yeah. I, I amen that. Um, you got something yeah. else? No, nope, that's okay. good. Uh, I'll read 22 to 25. Mm-hmm. All right. But you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to myriads of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven and to God, the judge of all and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood which speaks better than the blood of Abel. See to it that you do not refuse him who is speaking. For if those did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, much less will we escape who turn away from him who warns from heaven. Man, that feels a little weedy and a little heavy yeah. there. Go with it, Carolyn. Well, it kind of, it's going back to that comparing and contrasting. We talked mm-hmm. about Mount Sinai, and now we're just talking about Mount Zion, you know, mm-hmm. where we're going in heaven. And um, Albert Muller talks a lot about the already, not yet of the right. New Testament. And mm-hmm. I love that because it really it resonates with me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we have, you know, if we're believers, we've already come into God's kingdom. We are his children. But at the same time, we've not yet experienced the fullness of being there in heaven with the Lord mm-hmm. and seeing his eternal kingdom established, That's you know, right. here on earth. Mm-hmm. So we're kind of living in that in between. And so um, Hebrews and all throughout the New Testament, we're reminded of the wonderful things to come. Um, and I love in verse, let's see, where did it talk about the angels? And verse 22, mm-hmm, 22, remember back, if you started with us in Hebrews, Hebrews 1, oh, verse we did, 4, we, we talked about mm-hmm. angels. Mm-hmm. And so um, we talked about Jesus being higher than the angels because right. we're always talking about Jesus being better in Hebrews. But um, I wanted to talk about angels here because angels are special beings whose job is to reflect God's glory and praise Him. And one day we're going to join them in heaven. And this this whole section is just reminding it. us mm-hmm. of those things. But I thought that was so interesting since we spent so much time talking about angels in I'm verse I'm so glad one. you re- yeah. um, reminded us yeah. that that if you wanted to hang out there for a little bit, maybe go back and listen to some of those previous ones. Yeah, yeah. No, that's good stuff. It, this whole section is so good. It's so packed, mm-hmm. and we could go on forever and ever. But um, I wanted to talk about... In verse 23, it talks about God being the judge of all. And I have a quote to read um, from the commentary again. It says, But for those who have turned to Jesus Christ in faith and repentance and trust in his com- in His condemnation in their place, meaning Jesus, the day of judgment will be a day of glory, eternal with those – with the only – Eternity with the only <laughs> infinity righteous, gracious, and merciful God stands on the other side of that day. And so, you know, those who are unsaved are going to – that's a time of dread, that mm-hmm. judgment of the Lord. But if we are saved, we can rejoice in that day and know that we're going to be with the Lord because we've trusted Jesus 
to take on that, um, the condemnation of our sin, and um, we get to experience glory there. So it's just another beautiful picture that the author is painting here. It really, really is. Yeah. And, and I know we're running out of time, yeah. but I'm, I just I want to read something Please, from yeah. Wearsby um, because I, I can just sense somebody's going to get hung up on the blood of Abel and sprinkled blood <laughs> and all that. And this speaks to that. Yeah. And I'm just going to read kind of quickly here. Yeah. Uh, again, it's from um, Wearsby here. God is there, of course, and so are the Old Testament saints. Spirits of just men made perfect. Jesus Christ, the mediator, is there. Uh, talking about the kingdom. The one who shed his blood for us. We learn that Abel is still speaking. And here we discover that Christ's blood speaks better things than that of Abel. See, Abel's blood spoke from the earth and cried for justice. While Christ's blood speaks from heaven and announces mercy for sinners. Abel's blood made Cain feel guilty, and rightly so, and drove him away in despair. But Christ's blood frees us from guilt and has opened the way into the presence of God. Were it not for the blood of the new covenant, we could not enter um, this heavenly city. Mm. And I just thought that was just, yeah, had to be read. So good. <laughs> Do you want me to read the last few verses all the way to the end yeah, of the chapter? All okay. The all right. I'm starting in verse 26. At that time, his voice shook the earth. But now he has promised, yet once more, I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. This phrase, yet once more, indicates the removal of things that are shaken, that is, things that have been made, in order that the things that cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, and thus let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire." I love how they end, mm-hmm. how he ends that, the, mm-hmm. the author. You know, I love that imagery of shaken. When God shakes the earth, the things that are temporary are going to be removed. That's but right. we are reminded that we are part of a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And I love that picture because it gives me a mental picture of things. You know, those those temporary things are going to be removed, but what, God's kingdom stands firm. We need that uh, secure reminder of that yeah. truth um, because, I mean, it's like, I'd say look at the newspapers, but that's going back in the day. Mm. But you look at the articles online or the news and what have you, and it seems like everything's becoming unraveled. But God, I believe, is using that um, to reveal realities of eternity and and to, um, you know, part of getting us ready. Yeah. Yeah. And then the last verses in that chapter say mm-hmm. that God is a consuming fire, mm-hmm. and it's just a reminder of the great mercy we've received that saves us from the wrath of God, that that just wrath, that righteous wrath that we deserve. We rightly deserve That's that right. because of His great mercy, we um, we can escape that because of Jesus. Yeah. Amen. Yeah, that's good. Awesome. Um, For the sake of time, let's let's uh, bulletproof through these. (laughs) Our four things. (laughs) (laughs) So, what does it say about God? Um, Just kind of a thought. God doesn't require us to endure or press on without His presence, strength, and mindset. Yes. Uh, He provides all of that when we focus on Him. Yes. And and I think that just kind of embodies that. Absolutely. So, what does it say about me? (laughs) Mm. Well, we can be so focused on ourselves that we forget that others have gone before us Mm. and that we can um, look to them for inspiration of God's faithfulness. Um, They have shown us that no matter what life brings us, we can hold fast to God's promises if they did. It's a good inspiration. Yeah. The truth that stuck out to me is that we are part of a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Mm-hmm. And that is such a wonderful truth to cling to when you feel like the world is 
does not make sense, and it's mm-hmm. crumbling around us. We are part of a kingdom that will not be shaken because of the Lord. Yeah, that's right. And then how can we apply it? Well, a thought that I had is examine what area of your walk with God shows a fault line, if you will. Mm. I'm talking about being shaken and stuff. Yeah. In other words, search for weak areas of your faith. Are your knees weak? Mm-hmm. You know, and yes. press into them with God until your faith is shored up. So don't just accept that. Do something about that. Absolutely. Yeah. And along those lines, just doing things so that sin's opportunities to ensnare us are reduced in our Amen. life. Take mm-hmm. those steps today. Don't put it off. Mm-hmm. Take those steps today. Yeah, that's so, good stuff. Yeah. yeah. All right. You want to close this, Jody? Yeah, we certainly were. Well, uh, Father God, we are so, so thankful that nothing can be shaken without your permission and that you are faithful to love us so much, to discipline us, to um, help us to look more as your holy, in your holiness, Lord, to in your ways to look more like you. So, Lord, I just pray in the days ahead that um, we will uh, be sure to be anchored so much into your word and to seek truth from you more than the world and others that um, when trials do come our way, Lord, that we will come out refined uh, knowing that we can trust your heart in these matters. So we just trust you in this day. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.